0: How dare you talk to me that way? You're so ungrateful and selfish. It's not what you said. It's the way you said it. You never listen to me. That's because you never shut up. Can't you keep that baby quiet? You can't tell me who I can and cannot date. Stay out of my life. I can understand why you are upset. God has always helped us. I know we can work this out. Hey, welcome today to all of our churches and our network churches and those of you from countries around the world at church online. Today we're in the third week of a four-week teaching series called Bless This Home. If you're just now joining us, what we're doing is we're looking at the teachings of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 in a section that's known as the Beatitudes, where Jesus gave us eight different directions for those who would be blessed. Now, Jesus was talking to everybody, but what we're doing for the purpose of our study is we're applying the Beatitudes to our homes, bless this home, because honestly, so many homes today are not as blessed, I believe, as God would want them to be. The first week we looked at the beatitude, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Last week we looked at the very powerful words, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Next week is my personal favorite of the four messages, for families, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Today what I want to do is I want to talk about peace in the home because honestly, so many of our homes are not characterized as homes of peace. Instead, if you look at our homes, you would have to say they're characterized by conflict or by tension or by strife. And I believe that God has something way better for us that he wants our homes to be characterized as homes of peace. Now, some of you may say, okay, you're talking to me. My home's got a lot of dysfunction in it, but most of it's not my fault. And the reality is that may be true because every home has an incredibly difficult family member. Every family, if you look somewhere, maybe not in your home, but in your extended family member, everyone has a psycho-difficult-to-deal-with person. It's a spiritual principle, right? Right? Let me, just to prove it, every. Family has a psycho. All of our churches, those of you who say somewhere in my family there is a psycho difficult person, raise your hands up right now. Just raise them up, leave them up, raise them up, leave them up. Look around the room. Almost every hand is raised. Leave them up, if you will. There are a few hands that are not raised right now. Remember, every family has a psycho. (laughs) If your hands not up in the air. You're the one, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, relationships are just difficult and, and they're challenging. And it's amazing, especially in our families, how easily we can slip into dysfunctional cycles in our relationships, for example, uh, my oldest two daughters, Katie and Mandy, um, they're 19, 17 years of age today. I can re- remember back when they were little girls. Um, one time they were wrestling on our bed, and Katie had had Mandy in a, in a headlock. and was going to throw her off, and Mandy like wrapped her body around as if to say, I'm not going off this bed without bringing you with me. And so when Katie threw her, Mandy held on, and both of them together fell to the ground, and they squealed, and they screamed, and Katie... Lady stood up and looked at Mandy and said, you hurt me, and Mandy said, you hurt me, and then they smiled and said, let's do it again, (laughs) and they got back up on the bed and went for it one more time, and I know we're kind of joking about that, but wouldn't you admit that so often in our dysfunctional and unhealthy family dynamics, sometimes it boils down to, you hurt me. No. You hurt me, well, let's do it again. And again and again, we end up um, in challenging relationships instead of those that are characterized by peace. Now, I don't know what it would be for you. Uh, Maybe you're trying to raise your kids and your mom keeps looking over your shoulder, giving you advice, you're like, stay out of this mom. And there's tension between you and your mom. Or maybe it's your own kids. They fight all the time and you find yourself saying things you thought you'd never say. Don't make me pull this car over. I'll pull this car over. And then you count to three and nothing happens. And then you count to five and nothing happens. And then you count to 40 and nothing happens. So you just take a bath and give up because your kids are still fighting. Maybe you are the kid. You're a teenager and you think, my parents will never trust me and they're always breathing down my neck. They're so controlling. You might be in a blended home, and you're trying to raise your kids, and her kids, and our kids, and there's exes involved, and it's so incredibly complicated. You wonder, how could there ever be peace with all these moving parts? Some of you, you might be at a place where you to this day Have not forgiven your mom or your dad for something that happened years and years ago. Today, we're going to look at one of the Beatitudes of Jesus, and I have tremendous expectations that God is going to do a lot of healing in a lot of hearts. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 verse 9. If I could get all of you to help me out with this. He said, blessed are the what? Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for what will they be called? For they will be called children of God. Say it again. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, when Jesus said blessed are the peacemakers, there's two words from the original biblical languages translated as peace. In the New Testament, the Greek word is the word irene. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is the word shalom. And for years, the word shalom has been a a well-known greeting. Uh, The original words for peace uh, mean a little more than often what we think in our English um, language uh, for the word for peace. The, the word peace, shalom, it means more than just the absence of bad. I wish that you don't have hard times. It also means I wish you the highest good. When Jesus says blessed are the peace makers, he doesn't just mean I want your home to be strife. Free, but I also want you to have the highest good. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. And when Jesus said this, just like the other seven beatitudes, everybody listening would have been shocked. These were very counter-cultural statements because everyone there had been raised with the mindset, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You know, someone hits you, you tap them back, okay? Someone steals something from you, you take something from them. And he was saying something that was very shocking. Blessed are the peacemakers. There is a higher calling for those of you that want to follow me. Now, if you'll notice, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. He didn't say blessed are the peace keepers. And there's a big difference. For years and years, I was kind of a peacekeeper, and so are you. But there's a difference, and I I put these in your notes just to kind of differentiate. What are peacekeepers? Peacekeepers often avoid conflict to keep the peace. Peacekeepers, they'll work around the issues, not through the issues, trying to keep the peace. And, And so we kind of get to this place where it's like, uh, let's just have a truce, okay? Let's, let's just not talk about it. Let's get together at family dinners, and we'll smile and act like we're getting along, although no, we really know that there's tension behind the scenes, but we're not going to show it because we're happy at this meal. No fighting, okay? And then what happens? Months go by, and then something sets you off or somebody else, and then there's like this, la, 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 la. Now I'm sick and tired of you Did this and this and this and this. and this. like, where did all this come from? What happened is there were dozens of unresolved issues along the way. Jesus didn't say blessed are the keys, the peacekeepers, he said blessed are the peacemakers. What will a peacemaker do? A peacemaker will embrace conflict to make the peace. We're not gonna work around the issues, we'll work on the issues, we'll work through them, and with the help of the Prince of Peace, Jesus, we believe there can be peace in our homes, which brings us to our key thought for this series. If you weren't here in previous weeks, you won't know it, but those who know it, you can say it aloud. Our key thought is this. We are not just a what? We are not just a Christian home, but what are we? We are a Christ-centered home. We're not just a Christian family, but we are a Christ-centered Home. Now, some of you may be saying, um, what's the difference? I I don't see any difference. Well, there really shouldn't be a difference, but unfortunately, in our culture today, the word Christian, at least in my country, doesn't mean what it used to mean. Some 80% or more of our culture says, I'm a Christian, I mean, I'm, I'm not something else, so I must be a Christian. But you'd have to agree that 80-some-odd percent of our homes would not be called Christ-centered in the way we do life. What is a Christ-centered home? Jesus isn't just a part of our life, but he is our life. We are fully devoted to following and serving and knowing and bringing glory to him. In a cultural Christian home, in a home that's Christian in name only, I mean, when there's a hard time, we just write somebody off. We'll just screw them, forget them. I don't want to mess with them and forgive them. No, no. I mean, after what they did, I would never forgive them. They'd have to come back to me crawling on their hands and knees, and then I'm just going to make them pay for a little while. And that's normal. In a Christ-centered home, though, we say, what does Jesus teach us about how to do relationships. And he said, blessed are the peacemakers. Paul said something very complimentary in, in, in Romans 12, 17, 18, and verse 21. And he said this. He said, do not repay evil for evil, which is what everybody had been taught to do. He said, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Now, here's the power statement. He said, if it is possible as far as what, everybody say it aloud. He said, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, what are you to do? He taught, you are to live at peace with everyone. For those of you sitting back going, I hope so-and-so listening to this, because bless God, they need to hear it, okay? No, 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 no. You let God speak to you. As far as it depends on you, you do everything possible to live at peace. Then verse 21. He says, do not be overcome by evil, but instead we're going to overcome evil with good. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So, if we're going to be a Christ-centered home and we're going to be peacemakers, what do peacemakers do? What do they do? Let me give you three things that they do. The first thing peacemakers do, number one, is they tell the truth in love. They tell the truth in love, Ephesians four fifteen says, "We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, because we are a Christ-centered home. We will tell the truth in love. Notice it doesn't say to yell the truth in love, right? Do you always leave your clothes on here? You know, that's yelling, and that's not in love." We, we tell the truth in love. Now, back when I was in seminary, I had a, um, a course on counseling, and there were a few things I remember, a couple I think would be important, and you may jot these down in your notes. How do we tell the truth in love? A couple things that are really, really important would be to tell the truth in love during non-conflict times. During non-conflict times. That's when we work on important issues. In other words, if someone's throwing a shoe at you because they're angry, that's not the time to raise a new issue, okay? We work on them during non-conflict times. The second thing I remember is is that we attack the issue, never the person. We confront the issue, never the person. Non-conflict times and then confront the issue, not the person. I'll give you an example of um, a time when Amy did this very effectively with me. Um, in our life group, uh, I lead the life group, and um, there are times when Amy will talk for a while. <laughs> All right, her nickname is "Tell Long Story." Okay, that's her nickname, and so sometimes I'll think, um, "Let's um, move this on." And so I'll, I'll I'll say something. Well, that evidently I did quite often, and Amy. Um, did something very wise, and let me tell you what she didn't do. She didn't do what is rather common, which is, would you shut your fat face? You think you're a more important preacher, man? Let me speak. I've got something to say, okay? That's when life group gets awkward, okay? (laughs) And that happens quite often. What she didn't do was that. Instead, what she did is she waited a few days She approached me when things were going really well, and she said something like this, and I want to be specific because it was really effective. She said, Craig, you're an amazing husband, and you do all these things really well, and I appreciate when you do this and this, and she listed a few things, and she said, there's one thing that you do that you probably don't realize you're doing because if you did, you wouldn't do it, but it's really hurtful to me. She said, in our life group, when I'm speaking about something really important, you'll often Speak over me and you'll interrupt me." And she kept going for a while and I interrupted her. And she said, see, just like that. And, and here's the thing. It was very effective communication to me because she affirmed me. She didn't attack me. She gave me the benefit of the doubt. She explained very clearly how it made her feel. She, she said, I know you don't want to make me feel that way. And I heard her and now I recognize when there's times I'm tempted to do it, that's so much more effective than in the middle of a fight, her bringing up going, and another thing, I hate when you, and then things break down very quickly. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. The other thing is she didn't just keep the peace and pretend like it wasn't an issue. She just didn't let me walk all over her and not bring it up. As Christ-centered people, we tell the truth, and love. We love them enough not to work around the issues, but to work through the issues. And so I, I made just a couple of little statements that might be helpful um, to you to give you an examples of what you might say. Um, when you don't listen to me, I don't feel like you value me. That's a statement. This is how I feel when you do this. Um, when you lie to me about something really insignificant, I, don't, I, I find it difficult to trust you and we're, we're, we're confronting the issue. Um, when you continue to check your phone at the dinner table, the rest of us feel devalued. Let me pause for a moment there because I feel a God moment as he wants to speak to many of you right now. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Put your phones down and have a meal with your family in Jesus' name, okay? okay. So, so what we do is we confront the issue, not the person, and we do it in non-conflict times, and we tell the truth in love. That's what we do as peacemakers. The second thing is this, is is peacemakers also apologize when they're wrong. We apologize when we're wrong. And James 5.16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. I want you to think for a moment about this. What do you think your relationships would be like if when you sinned, you confessed it? I am so sorry, what I did was wrong. I sinned against you, will you please forgive me? And then you prayed together. Can you imagine how incredibly different our relationship would be if we owned our own sins, confessed them, and then prayed together? Peacemakers to apologize when they're wrong. Now, how do we do it? We admit to specific actions without excuses. We admit to specific actions. We say, here is what I did wrong and no excuses. You don't dare say, well, I'm sorry I looked at something that was inappropriate, but if you'd been meeting my needs, you wouldn't have driven me to do that. Okay? That's not an apology that is pathetic. You know, I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt, you big old baby. Okay? That's not an apology. Okay? We apologize for specifics. Uh, I am so sorry that I belittled you in front of your friends. I have no excuse for that. That was wrong. I'm really sorry I didn't consider you and I, I should have called when I was running late. I can see why you're so worried. I am so sorry I raised my voice at you like that. That was disrespectful. Please forgive me. I'm sorry that I dropped the cat off the roof to see if he'd land on four legs. He did, but I shouldn't have done that. Okay, kind of joking about the last one, sort of. So anyway, there's, there's a big difference, and don't miss this, between remorse and repentance. There's a big difference. So often people stop with remorse. It's kind of this, well, I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry we're having this hard time. I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt. I'm sorry we're going through this. That's remorse. Repentance is, I was wrong. I sinned. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And when you sin, don't stop with I'm sorry. You may want to jot this down. I'm sorry is for mistakes. Will you forgive me is for sin. I'm sorry I left the toilet lit up. That's a mistake. Will you forgive me for deceiving you? That is a sin. Don't just stop at I'm sorry. But when you've actually sinned against someone, will you please forgive me? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. This may be difficult, but listen, we're not just a Christian family. We're not just a culturally Christian family. We're not just Christian in name only. We are christ centered in all that we do. And Christ calls us not just to wish the absence of harm, but the highest good. He calls us to something more. So, we tell the truth in love. We apologize when we're wrong. And number three, what do peacemakers do? Do not miss this. Peacemakers forgive and let go. Peacemakers forgive and let go. And and let me just walk into this gently for a a moment because at this point, I know for a lot of you, there is a tremendous amount of pain. And some of you right now may be thinking, well, you know, you got your little preacher life, your little preacher problems, but in the real world, you don't know what I've been through. And I just wanna say, I may not have been through what you've been through, but I do understand that betrayal is very difficult to forgive. I I understand some of you, uh, your spouse betrayed you, committed adultery, maybe multiple times, and you think, how can I forgive that? I I know that some of you, you've got someone that you trusted with everything in you and they lied and they deceived you and, and left you in a really, really hard place and that's very difficult to forgive. I know that there are those of you, many of you, who you have someone in your family who should have protected you, and that person who should have protected you took advantage of you and abused you, and you say, how in the world do I forgive that? I don't even want to forgive. How do I forgive? I'm not gonna tell you it's easy, but I will tell you it's doable, and it is incredibly, important for the Christ-centered home. And the Bible tells us how we do it, Colossians 3.13. Paul said, to bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Now, how do we forgive that which seems unforgivable? Paul said, we do it this way. Everybody say it aloud, how do we forgive? We forgive as the Lord forgave you. Let me ask you again. I want you all to say it aloud. All of our different churches, how do we forgive? We forgive as the Lord forgave you. I want to ask you a question. Has the Lord forgiven you of a lot of sins? Man, I don't know about you, but he's forgiven me of a lot. Has the Lord forgiven you freely, even though you did not deserve it and couldn't earn it? And that's how we're called to forgive, to freely forgive as we've been forgiven. That's what Christ-centered homes do. Now, I'm gonna tell you a very personal story, and I do this with um, permission from my dad and his blessings uh, to tell this story. Um, It's incredibly hard for me to tell you, um, but, I I pray there'll be healing uh, for many when I do. Uh, My dad was an alcoholic. And if you um, have ever been in a home where there's alcohol, let's just say it makes things complicated. And so we had um, our fair share of the father-son challenges, especially when I was a teenager and um, in my early 20s. Well, um, in my late 20s, by the power of the risen Christ, my dad was changed. He, after years and years and years, overcame his alcohol addiction and became a new creation, and to this day, helps tons of people overcome the same addiction. He ministers in prisons. I mean, I'm telling you, he is a different person made new in Christ. In my early 20s, though, I was, a young preacher, and was still hurting. And I was somewhere in some small town with some small crowd, and I talked about my dad and was incredibly dishonoring and disrespectful. In my mind, I felt justified, well, you know, it's true, this is what he did, and here, you know, and I'm angry about it, and, and no one's ever gonna know I'm in this small town, and so I did that and then forgot completely about it. Years went by and we were able to, to heal our relationship in a very powerful way. Many more years went by, and somehow, somebody got a copy of that message and gave my dad this cassette tape with the words that I had said on it. Now, I feel like I need to pause for a moment because some of you are going, now, what's a cassette tape? <laughs> I don't have time to tell it, just ask your mom, okay? And, and so, so, he listened to what I said, and was understandably devastated, and so he called me and he said, "Grosh, that's what he always calls me. Grosh, because I got a setback." He said, "I got this uh, message you preached, and uh, here's what you said about me." And I just remember my heart pounding out of my chest, my brain spinning like, "How am I gonna? What am I gonna?" And then I thought, "It's on. I got nowhere to go. Nothing. No excuses." And he was, he was deeply wounded, and um, I just fell on my sword. I said, Dad, I've got n- no excuses. I should have never said that. It was 100% wrong. All I can do is throw myself at your mercy and just ask, will you please pray about trying to forgive me? I thought we were in for a five- or ten-year journey to work through this. And instantly, my dad said, "Grosh, you forgave me of more sins than I could keep track of, Of course, I forgive you. That's what we do as followers of Christ. I don't think I ever felt closer to my dad than I did in that moment because he'd never been more like Christ to me than he was in that moment. I want to say one thing to you. And if you only remember one thing, I want you to remember this. I want you to listen clearly. Listen carefully. Family is worth it. Family is worth it. And there are some of you that you call yourself a Christian and you're not acting like it. Family is worth it. If we're followers of Jesus, what do we do? When someone strikes us on one cheek, we turn the other one. When someone asks for our shirt, we give them our coat as well. What we don't do is when marriage gets tough, just walk out. Say, forget you. I'll take my stuff, you take yours. I give up. I'm not happy right now. What we don't do is we don't write our children off and say, well, you've done this, you're no longer my child. What we don't do is we don't walk away from our in-laws and say, you're annoying. Of course they're annoying. You'll be an in-law one day, and you'll be annoying too. We don't walk away from family. We don't cut family out. Family is worth it. We forgive as we've been forgiven. We show mercy as we've been shown mercy. And while we're at it, If we're followers of Jesus, family isn't just blood. Family goes beyond that into the body of Christ. And when we act like Christ and we forgive, and when we act like him and we show mercy, and when we act like him and we make peace, we are called children of God. I've got six children. Guess what? They all look a little bit like me. Those who are lucky look more like Amy than me, but they all look a little bit like me. And guess what, when we make peace and when we do everything possible to live at peace with everyone, and when we even take it and and let someone hurt us and freely forgive, guess who we look like? We look like our Heavenly Father, created in His image, conformed to the likeness of His Son. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We aren't just a cultural Christian family. We are a Christ-centered family. Hear it and never forget it. Family is worth it. If we're going to call ourselves followers of Christ, we're going to honor him in loving the way he has loved us. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Father, we pray today that in your presence you would do a healing work in a way that only you can do. As you pray today at all of our different churches, um, I want to ask three very specific questions. The first one, I hope everybody raises your hand to say yes to this. The question I want to ask you if you've got a home today, a family today, close friendships today, maybe you'll have more tomorrow, but you say I want to be, by the power of Christ, a peacemaker for his glory. I want to wish not only the absence of bad, but I want to wish the highest good by his power. God, make me a peacemaker. If that's you, would you lift your hands high right now, just all over the place, almost every hand raised. Put your hands down for a moment. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. I want to be more specific for a second and ask, nobody looking around, but how many of you In your family, there's hurt, there's been a betrayal, there's brokenness, there's a relationship that needs healing. You say, Craig, would you pray for our family? Would you lift up your hands right now just all over the place? Hands are everywhere. God, I pray today first for um, everyone who said, yes, I want to be a peacemaker. I pray, God, that we would not be Christian in name only, but we would be fully surrendered to the truth of your Son, Jesus, empowered by your Spirit to live in the blessings of your truth. Blessed are the peacemakers. God, give us the courage to tell the truth in love, to own whatever we've done wrong, and the courage to forgive that which seems unforgivable as you have forgiven us. Now, God, I pray specifically for those who've been hurt wounded, betrayed, abused. I pray for the misunderstandings. God, I pray that you would give us the power to do everything possible to live at peace. God, I pray for the courage for those who will um, reach out to someone who has not been receptive in the past. God, I pray for the ability to forgive that which seems and feels unforgivable. God, I pray for the grace to deal with um, difficult people as they need grace to often deal with us. God, I pray that we would have the courage to confess our sins to one another and to pray for each other that there might be healing. And what the enemy tried to steal, God, you would make better than new. I pray for miraculous restorations. God, for those marriages that are hanging by a thread. God, we pray that in your presence, at this moment, there would be healing as they become a Christ-centered marriage, all for your glory. God, heal parent and children relationships and siblings and extended family and friendships. We pray, God, that in your presence, your Holy Spirit would bring healing where there has been hurt. As you keep praying today at all of our different churches if I ask you, are you at peace with God? Are you 100% sure? Are you settled in your heart? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, without any reserve, that you're in a right place with God? Many of you would say, eh, I'm not so sure. You might look at your life and say, I've done a lot of things wrong. How could God ever love someone like me? I better do some good things to work my way to God. Let me be real clear with you. You have sinned and so have I and our sin does separate us from a holy God, and there's not enough good works any of us can do to work our way back to him. That's why the gospel is the good news, that God, the ultimate peacemaker, did something for us that we were incapable of doing for ourselves. He became one of us in the person of his son, Jesus, who was born of a virgin without sin, lived the perfect life, became sin for us on the cross, died, in our place to pay for our sins was raised from the dead so that anyone, and that includes you, who calls on his name, would be saved and forgiven and transformed. And just like Christ forgave and made my dad new, and just like he made me new. There are many of you, you are here today because he wants to make you new. All of our different churches, those of you who say, yes, I need his grace, I need his forgiveness, I want to have peace with God. Today, I repent, I turn from my sins, and I call on him. Jesus, I give my life completely to you that's your prayer lift your hands high right now all over the place lift, leave them up if you will i just want to acknowledge you up here close to me and here in this middle section all three of you god bless you guys sir right here as well right over here both of you in this section praise god for you right back here all four or five of you in this section here in this middle section right back over here as well god bless you guys back here all the all of you back over here in this section man Oh, my goodness. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of you together in this section. Wow. God, right back here, praise God for you. And right over here as well, right back here, bless you. Others of you say, yes, I need his grace. I need his forgiveness. I need his mercy. Would all of you pray with those around, you pray, Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. Make me new. I believe Jesus died for me so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit, so I could follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Life Church, would you worship big, worship big, worship big, worship big, worship big. Welcome those today born into God's family.